On a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar candy, was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang songs of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. If it gets somebody else off their ass, that's even better. Because we waited too long to do this. Um, you know, we, we waited too long to, to go hiking again. So, yeah, if this sparks somebody into action to stop listening to the podcast and get the hell out there, that'd be even better. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number 28. This is why we do it. And I'm your host, Gizmo. If you're thinking right now, gee, Gizmo sure upped her podcast production since the last time I listened, I am going to have to set the record straight. Today's episode is sort of a joint effort between Sounds of the Trail and another great outdoor podcast, The Dirtbag Diaries. Dirtbag Diaries is a great example of what can happen when a podcast is made by people who know what they're doing, and it's a great production and a very enjoyable podcast, and they don't, in general, need the help of a bunch of amateurs like us. However, in this particular case, we can help them out. You see, what they need are thru-hikers, and that's where we come in. Before we get to the quest that the Dirtbag Diaries is on, I want to introduce the other guest for this podcast episode, a very accomplished thru-hiker known as Wired. And if you're active in the thru-hiking community, you may have already heard of Wired. I actually asked her to be on the podcast to help me introduce the three trails we're going to be covering for the 2016 through hiking season. The three trails of the hiking triple crown, the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail. As she is a triple crown through hiker herself, she seemed like just the right person to help us kick off the hiking season. And she will be introducing the three trails for us, but not on today's episode. Because when we sat down for our interview and started talking, we very soon started talking not just about the trails, but about why she hikes them. And hearing her message right after listening to the message of the Dirtbag Diaries, it sort of hit me this, this double whammy. And, and maybe it's just because I'm in sort of a funny spot myself. I feel like once you start asking yourself why you are doing what you're doing, it can very quickly turn into a rabbit hole, and it's it's one that I'm sort of falling down right now. Most of us are given scripts to live our lives by, instructions on how to be human. And those scripts are totally dependent on where you live, who your parents are, and how much money they make, whether you're male or female. And it's not anything insidious, these instructions. Most people don't realize that they've been following them any more than their parents realize that they're giving them. I have this very distinct memory from my own childhood, and I must have been pretty small 
and I'm in the car with my mom driving through the neighborhood and we drove past the middle school, which at that time seemed huge to me. And I asked my mom, you know, like, was, was I going to go there someday? Sure, honey, she told me, when you finish elementary school. And then what? I asked her. And then you go to high school, she told me. And then what? And then what? And then what? I asked her until we had planned out my entire life together. College, job, marriage, kids of my own. And I, I never asked those questions again until I had graduated from college, moved across the country, found myself a job, and and found myself unhappy and alone, working 40 hours a week in a cubicle. And then what? And I'm still asking myself, and I'm still looking for, for the then what. Uh, always something new, always what's next. And, and I don't know, you know, I, I think it's a question maybe we never get to stop asking. But today we're going to be hearing from Wired, who asked herself, now what? And she ended up on the PCT. That's what. And then we're going to listen to the clip from the Dirtbag Diaries and hear about another hiker who also said, that's what, but who never made it. And then we're going to ask for your help. So make sure you listen to the end and let's get started. I could sit all day and listen to people tell their personal story about why they're on the trail. Yeah, I think people's stories about how they got started is really interesting, and I was hoping that we could actually start there with you. All right, when you're ready, I guess I'm good to go. All right, well, let's let's just start on how you got started. So, I mean, first off, how many miles do you think you've hiked recently, like in the past five years? I started off in 2011, and I'm just over probably 10,000 miles on official long trails. So, yeah, went over the 10,000-mile mark this summer. That's a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happened so quickly. I'm not even like all of a sudden you look at it and it's like, whoa. Yeah, you've hiked a, hiked a really long ways. So before you started through hiking, what were you doing and, and how did that lead to becoming a through hiker? For me, I was from the Midwest, so I was from Illinois. And I, long story short, ended up moving out to Portland. When I came out here, I was really interested in learning about the trails and hiking and I signed up on meetup.com, which is just a social kind of gathering where you can online sign up to do things in groups that these were specific hiking groups in Portland, Oregon. What one of the first, the first backpacking trip I went on was to Goat Rocks in Washington. And I signed up for it and had no idea what I was signing up for. I just thought, oh, sounds cool. I'll sign up and go. And when I went, as you probably know, is one of the highlights of the Pacific Crest Trail. And I didn't even know the Pacific Crest Trail existed. I didn't even know like through hiking existed. We took a picture where the trail crosses where we were going. And I didn't know why we were taking a picture at that. Like there was a blaze and we took a picture, a group photo. And I didn't know why we were doing that. But I just sat down and took the group photo. And then later someone said, oh, it's a trail that goes all the way you know, from Mexico to Canada. And still in my mind, I was thinking like the highway, like I-5, where I-5 is there, but people don't drive like I-5 purposely from one end to the other. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like people might walk on it there or walk on it there. But I didn't know people actually walked purposely from one end to the other. Uh, so it took some time for me for that to settle in because then I started doing more hiking in Portland. And as I was on Timberline, like up by Mount Hood, and then I was also in the gorge. I was seeing that same symbol again. 
And it started to like kind of hit me. And then through meetup, I met another woman my age that had hiked a section of the Appalachian Trail. And she kept a blog and it was my first time of meeting someone who had through hiked. And it was so foreign to me that first off that you would through hike and second that a woman would do this solo that it just kind of sunk in. And she said, Hey, I want to do the PCT this year. Why don't we do the PCT? And I said immediately, I can't do that. I think my exact response was, I have a twin sister that lives in Chicago that I left when I moved to Portland and I was still adjusting to that change. And I said, I can't do that. My twin sister is thinking about having a baby that summer. And (laughs) she stopped in her tracks and turned around and she was like, do you have any idea how ridiculous that just sounded? And I, I was so involved in the life that I had that I didn't realize that there was another life that you could live. That was probably the moment where it struck me. Like she literally stopped me in my tracks and looked at me and she said, do you know how ridiculous that just sounded? And and then it kind of sunk in some more that I needed to think about what I wanted to do in living my life. And I had never done that before. I knew it wasn't the whole child and family kind of route. I've always known that. And just being from the Midwest, I knew you were just supposed to work hard and retire someday. So my second excuse to her was I couldn't retire and I was, I hadn't earned it yet. And so she's like, uh, that's really a crazy way to think about things. And being from Illinois, that's normal. Like you work really hard your whole life and then you retire maybe. And that's when you're allowed to stop working and indulge in what you've earned. So uh, being in Portland, it really helped me to kind of shift my view. So one thing I think is interesting that you just brought up is this idea of being allowed to stop working really hard. And I think that's interesting because by any measure, <laughs> is working yeah. really hard. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree. That, yeah, a lot of people think that through hiking is this vacation that you're on, and it's so much more difficult than that. And that's part of why I like it. I like the challenge. Like it's a complete physical and mental challenge. And I do see how everyone that sees a through hiker, maybe they'll come across them as they're having lunch or maybe in town taking a moment off to uh, resupply. And so they might think, oh, they get to lounge at viewpoints all day. But uh, no, there's definitely an end to the season and you have to keep pushing. And it's an all day thing. I, I love through hiking because you can't you can't say you've hiked a trail if you haven't hiked a trail. Like it's you that does it. And you're the only one that can move your foot one foot in front of the other and carry your stuff from one end to the other end. So I, I really like the, the ethics, the work ethic that's involved in through hiking. One thing that we sort of bring up on Sounds of the Trail is this idea that that thru-hiking will ruin your life. Because for so many of us, this idea of a thru-hike being something that, A, that you could do, and B, that that you you should do and and deserve to do, totally revolutionizes your thinking about the rest of your life. This idea that you could work hard for yourself and not just for other people. And it sounds like that was that for you as well. Yeah, I'm very happy that I had not discovered thru-hiking until my 30s. I had, I had saved up a lot of money to be able to retire uh, in theory someday. And I had been very careful about not spending any of my money just the way I'd grown up. I saved a lot. So I'm very happy that I wasn't exposed to this straight out of college because then I'd constantly be trying to make it paycheck to paycheck to try to save up enough to be able to go to the next hike. And I'm just fortunate that I didn't realize what I was saving for. And I managed to save for this through hike I didn't know was coming. 
And so it really just kind of fell into place quite perfectly. And it does, I have said, I just, some people tell me coming out of college, I want to go through hike. And I'm like, Ooh, you might want to like work for like five years or something first, because once you do it, you're kind of hooked. Um, but I do have to say that a lot of through hikers that are able to pull this off, cause I'm a unique one that I'm able to go five to five plus months a year and everyone wants to know how I'm able to do it. And it's just that I work so hard that I do earn, I save the money to be able to do it. And I, I'm fortunate to have a job that does that. Well, I think it's more than fortunate. I think it just speaks to your priorities and that a lot of times we might think we want something and really it comes down to making the decisions that will enable us to have that thing that we want. And I mean, that comes with sacrifices that comes with these these ideas that we've been given our entire life about what the script of our life is supposed to look like and breaking away from that, I think is a really brave and terrifying thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Like I had the whole own properties and have furniture and have that mortgage and then have the nine to five job. I had that when I was in Chicago. And then when I moved here, it was a whole other way of living that I was exposed to that I had never known about for the first 30 years of my life. I didn't know that kind of life existed that you didn't have to work. It definitely shifted. I now only own a room full of stuff and I am able to just kind of be more free flowing and flexible with my finances in that way. If I don't own things and I'm not tied to anything like a mortgage, then there's nothing really holding me back as a single person that doesn't have a family. I'm responsible for myself, and as long as I can cover that, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm sure you can think of several moments on your first through hike where if someone had come up to you and been like, Wired, I see your future, and you were going to hike over 10,000 miles in the next five years, you would just look at them yeah. and tell them you were crazy. Oh, I thought it was for <laughs> sure just a blip on the radar. I, I The whole time, I thought that it was a one-time occurrence that, again, I hadn't earned it. And, and wouldn't, and this was just a blip on my life radar kind of thing that would just happen in one isolated moment. And then I'd go back to regular living. And that surprisingly wasn't the case. I was so not in touch with who I was that, uh, when I arrived at the border for the Pacific Crest Trail, it was in one of those vans from Scout and Frodo's house where they shuttle you in large groups. So I was in a van with about eight other people that I hadn't met. And I, immediately when I got to Scout and Frodo's, I hadn't stayed there and I just was dropped off in the morning and for the shuttle. And there had a huge Pacific Crest Trail banner and I immediately got like hit with a well of emotion. And I was like, whoa, that doesn't happen to me. What was that? And then I tried to like keep myself together. And as I was driving in the van, it was a very quiet group and they were just kind of quietly reflecting apparently. And it just made it worse and I was having trouble keeping it together. And then when I stepped out of the van and saw the monument, I just bawled and I don't do that. And I, I had no idea what had come over me. And, and I, it was like hitting me for the first time what I was doing. I was so just not in touch with what I was planning to do or heading out to do. And it was real at that moment. And I just kind of just went off to the corner and kind of cried on my own. And um, I even put a video of, of it on the blog oh, for the man. first day. It was kind of <laughs> pathetic. Later on, I found out the reason was like, I was like, geez, that's never happened to me. I've never had like an emotional crying thing like that. And um, so then I I like thought about it over the trail and, and why that had happened. And it hit me towards the end of the trail that for the first time in my life, I was living life. 
Like I had never done that before. That feeling was so overwhelming to me that it had been closed off to me that it really overwhelmed me to be for the first time in my life living. And I had never known that I wasn't living until I actually stepped foot on there and had that overwhelming moment. So I think being on the PCT for me was just a huge transition in my life of I don't have to just do this pre-planned nine to five routine kind of thing. And now I'm out there, but it also was very guilt ridden for me because I didn't feel that I deserved it. So the, I just didn't think that I had, you know, earned enough years of work to get such a wonderful thing. So it really was a struggle, the whole trail for me to feel like it was okay to be out there and to be doing something that I felt was very selfish. But I can just remember even on the first day being out there talking to someone about my guilt of being out there. And they said, well, sometimes you need to be able to come away from that life to be able to come back and and give your full self. She said, hey, I want to do the PCT this year. Why don't we do the PCT? And I said immediately, I can't do that. I was so involved in the life that I had that I didn't realize that there was another life that you could live. I needed to think about what I wanted to do in living my life, and I had never done that before. Just being from the Midwest, I knew you were just supposed to work hard and retire someday. So my second excuse to her was I couldn't retire. I hadn't earned it yet. Being from Illinois, that's normal. Like You work really hard your whole life, and then you retire maybe, and that's when you're allowed to stop working and indulge in what you've earned. The problem with that idea, with working hard your entire life until you've earned the opportunity to do something great, is that even if you think the universe owes it to you, nobody told the universe that. Through hiking, being able to go on a through hike is one of the greatest privileges of my life. Being healthy enough, having the means, living in a country that's safe enough to do something like this, being in a situation where I can leave my family for months at a time to do something that I want to do, those are not things that I take for granted. I feel very, very lucky. But there's there's one other thing above everything else that I feel grateful for. And that one thing is very simple. That one thing is is just to realize that I have everything else that I need to realize that I didn't need to ask permission, to figure out that the critical step between having a dream of doing something and actually doing something was, there is no critical step, there is no magic. There are opportunities in life that we make for ourselves, and that's it. The world is there. Not all of us can quit our jobs and go walking across the country, but how many of us can go out for a week and we don't? How many of us could go out every weekend and we don't? How many of us can go for a thru-hike? I don't know what your dreams are. What is it that you want to do that you are not doing right now? What are you waiting for? Permission? Let's take a listen to the Dirtbag Diaries as they share their story with us, and I think maybe you'll see what I'm getting at. It's January, and most years, we use this episode as an opportunity to check in with you and our community, the Diaries family, the people who truly keep this podcast alive, and we ask about your goals. And this year, to celebrate entering the 10th year of our show, we, the crew at Duct Tape the Beer and the Dirtbag Diaries, want to do something a little bit different. Something special. 
something that we'll keep coming back to over the next 12 months. This year, we have something to ask of you. It started with this email that showed up a few months ago. Dear editor, my Australian husband of 17 years spent the last few months of his life polishing his old hiking boots and salvaging tin cans in search of that one perfect size for his stove and backpack. Thing is, he had a bad heart, and while I suspect he knew he would never make it back to the bush again, he took great joy in preparing for that one last hike. I have donated his stashes of survival food and first aid supplies to a local Boy Scouts group and packed his winter clothes off to the Salvation Army here in Queensland. I'm left with a tablet filled with Dirtbag Diaries podcasts, a basket of boots, and a crazy idea. Paul was completely drawn into hiking the Appalachian Trail. He actually drove me a bit nuts retelling me some of the stories from the characters with whom he had become a fan. He delighted in telling me how people got their trail names, how friends would leave boxes of food for hikers on the footpaths, how many days one could go without bathing and still be allowed in town, and as I look over at his freshly polished boots, it makes me wonder, how good would it be for his boots to make that journey? There are three pairs of quality yet old and worn hiking boots, size 12, 13. Paul was a big man, six foot three and 300 pounds, and I would be willing to pay the shipping costs to three hikers willing to wear them on at least one good walk on any part of the Appalachian Trail and send me a photo or two of the adventure. But I don't know how to find active hikers and that's why I'm writing to you in hopes you can help me find some volunteers for this endeavor. Paul died on the 23rd of July, 2015 just two weeks shy of his 54th birthday. And I know he would get such a kick out of knowing that his boots made it to the Appy Trail, even if he did not. Whoever volunteers can keep them. All I want in return are photos of Paul's boots on the trail. Sincerely yours, Malin in Ipswich, Australia. Paul was just a bush person. He was just a bush baby from the word go. He just loved to be hiking more than anything else. Paul was a Boy Scout, then a troop leader, then worked as a draftsman for a telephone company in Brisbane, Australia. But he was one of us. He was a quiet man with a sharp, irreverent sense of humor and a big heart who felt whole when he got to camp, hike, and spend time outside. When Malin first moved to Australia to join Paul in 1998, the two of them hiked and camped all the time. But as life likes to do, life got in the way of his passion. Paul was the kind of person who took care of people. He spent a decade of his life taking care of his mother as she gradually succumbed to Parkinson's disease. Right after his mother died, his father's health began to fail, and Paul spent the next four years taking care of him, and he volunteered at a nursing home in his spare time. By the time his father passed away in 2011, Paul's own health had begun to fail. The beginning of last winter, it snapped cold fast in Australia. Paul and Malin hunkered down. He just became fascinated with the Appalachian Trail. 
he just did. He, and I don't know whether maybe it was because of the size, but I, I suspect mostly it's because he got hooked on the stories from people. Every night we'd be laying in bed and he'd say, oh, and you'll never guess, this guy did this out on the trail today. And then he'd ask me questions about the U.S. And every night before we went to bed, that was our conversation. He prepared meticulously. He outfitted two backpacks. He collected straws to use for single-use packets of shampoo and conditioner. He had a shoebox full of plastic bags, folded just the right size to fit in his back pocket. But by that point, Paul had already had two heart attacks. His health had deteriorated to the point that he could only take very short walks. And by July, he had passed away. He never made it back out on the trail again. What do you think he would think about his boots going down the AT? He would have the biggest smile on his face. He really, truly would. He'd be jealous that he wasn't in them. Um, I just know this would make him happy. Yeah. And I know in your email you said that you would just love it if, if people could hike a section of the trail with the boots. But if yeah. we put this out into the world, what is like the best thing that could come out of this this whole scenario for me yeah okay personally i would love to have some photos of my husband's boots out on the, out on the trail i hiked with these boots i didn't wear them but i hiked with them and they're just such a big part of him that it killed me that they were just sitting here all polished ready to go and they were just going to sit here and I just thought that that was the worst thing that could happen is that they didn't get out on the trail again and why stop it just going out on the trail go to the one that he really wanted to do so for me photos I just want photos I want stories and if it gets somebody else off their ass, that's even better. Because we waited too long to do this. Um, you know, we, we waited too long to, to go hiking again. So, yeah, if this sparks somebody into action to stop listening to the podcast and get the hell out there, that would be even better. So Malin asked that we try to find people to take Paul's boots on a walk down a part of the Appalachian Trail. We want to do one better than that. We want to get Paul's boots down the entirety of the Appalachian Trail. And we need your help. We realize that most likely we're not going to find three people with size 13 feet that want to walk 2,100 miles in Paul's particular boots. So what we're going to do is put together an Olympic torch-style relay of people to wear or carry Paul's boots down the AT. So here's what we're asking from you all. If you're planning to hike the AT this year, if you've ever thought of hiking a part of the AT, even if this is the first time you've ever heard of the Appalachian Trail, let's make this happen. 
drop us a line, hit us up on social media, send an email, give us a call, let us know. Even if you can't make it to the trail, share the project on social media with the hashtag PaulWalksOn. Share the project on hiker forums. Share it around the campfire. Please, let's make this happen together. If you all can do that, we will check in with you over the course of the year and share the stories of Polly's boots as they make their way down the trail and the stories of the people who propel them along the way. Dreams are needs, period. We all help each other achieve our dreams. It doesn't happen alone. And that's what this project is really about. It's about reminding us that with the help of our community and our friends, we have the ability to do incredible things. I'm Fitz. I'm Jen. I'm Anya. And I'm Becca. And we're the team at the Dirtback Diaries. But we know that the Diaries family stretches a long way beyond this room. Originally, we didn't know how we'd make this all happen, but we went to our friends at REI and they said, Hell yeah, let's do this justice. So you are going to hear more about this in the coming year from them, from us, and hopefully from you. So please, if you're interested, visit our website, dirtbagdiaries.com, and look for the page that says Paul's Boots. We have a few questions for potential hikers. Answer them and then email us at boots at ducttapethenbeer.com. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, Sounds of the Trail listeners. You heard the good word. Let's hold up our end and help out the Dirtbag Diaries. And let's help out Paul. I can tell that uh, Dirtbag Diaries doesn't typically cover through hiking because, from my point of view, they left out one pretty crucial piece of information about these boots of Paul's, which is how much they weigh. And I actually still don't know how much they weigh, but I figure size 13 leather boots... I'm going to peg it at about four pounds, three ounces. Someone will have to have to let me know how close I am to, to the actual weight. These are heavy boots, and, and perhaps heavier than the boots themselves are the, is the weight behind it, the, the weight of Paul's dreams. You know, Paul spent his life taking care of other people, but this is a chance for us to take care of Paul. So... I think we can do it. Appalachian Trail, class of 2016, we need your help. Trail Angels, we need your help too with logistics and getting these boots around and passed back and forth. Section Hikers, we need your help. Day Hikers, we need your help too. If you are going to be on the Appalachian Trail this year in 2016, you may be able to help us get Paul's boots from one end to the other. I think this is a really cool project and a chance to remind ourselves how lucky we are and and how big our dreams are and the weight the weight of unfinished dreams and how heavy that is and maybe maybe take that that knowledge with us a little bit into this next year. So, if you're interested in helping out, they are trying to get all this organized and they'd really like to hear from you by February 17th, which is tomorrow (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast right away if it's a little bit after february 17th you should probably still uh send them an email because they they might still need our help but send an email to boots at duct tape then beer or you can go to duct tape then beer.com to get more information 
or you can just Google Paul's boots and it will probably pull it up. There will also be uh, information to help you out on our website, which is www.soundsofthetrail.com. So let's do this. And this is Gizmo signing off with Sounds of the Trail. Rock Candy Mountain, you never have to change your socks. And little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bowls at the tip of their hats, and the railroad bowls are all blind. There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey, too. You can paddle all around it in your big canoe on the big rock candy mountain.